it's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. All right. <laughs> so, um, the rapper, I believe, is called Bailey. That is the hype video for the 2016 Michigan Wolverine football team. Wow. Uh, with, a, with a solid appearance from Jim Harbaugh there on the mic. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That, that brought me back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So we have a great show for you lined up here. Uh, we have a guest, Matt Harmon. He's a fantasy football writer at NFL.com, also has a website called Backyard Banter. If you are at all on Twitter, follow fantasy football writers, you no doubt have seen his reception perception articles and tweets. And uh, what he does is goes through and grades every route that's, that's run by receivers and if they win versus what coverage and what routes they're running. So it's really a comprehensive look at what a wide receiver has done. He's, yeah, this guy's like a, a numbers and stats machine. Yes, absolutely. And he's parlayed that into a nice little career, and he got hired on an NFL.com. So uh, that's awesome to see someone get someone's hard work pay off. And we've got him coming on a little bit later. If you're just here for that fantasy football goodness, you can go ahead and uh, fast forward about 20 minutes and uh, maybe 15 minutes and, and, and bypass all this boring off-season non-news. But... <laughs> We do have actually some hard news to start the show. 49ers edge rusher Aaron Lynch. By the way, how you doing, Nick? Yeah, hey, I'm fantastic. Yeah, you can find Nick at Nick Winkler. I'm sorry. You can find Nick at Bay Area Wink on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. So, yeah, Aaron Lynch suspended by the NFL for games for substances of abuse. Yeah, he had a, a violation apparently while in stage two of the league substance abuse program, which means this is not a first time offense by any means. If he gets another violation too, it's going to then be a six game suspension. So that means with the four game suspension, he's out against the Rams at Carolina at Seattle home against Dallas. Those are, those are some tough games in there. And I know, you know, that the 49ers weren't picked by many to do very well this season. And this is just going to, does not help more behind the eight ball to start the season than they I mean, already were. As awesome as Navarro Bowman is, and one of my favorite 49ers really uh, ever, actually, at this point, um, Aaron Lynch is maybe as or more valuable to the football team and to the defense, putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And you've got the rookie quarterback right out of the gate where that's what you want to do is mm-hmm. pressure a rookie quarterback and then three Pro Bowl quarterbacks to follow. Yeah, I mean, who, who are we talking about here? I mean, is is Eli Harold going to fill in? Is it going to be Tank Carradine? I mean, Lemonier. I mean, who who's going to be getting in there? All of the above. I think yeah. Lemonier's roster spot kind of got guaranteed. Possibly there, he's probably maybe still in a battle with another guy, Marcus Rush, um, mm-hmm. unless there are some uh, some other guys that that come out of training camp. But yeah, what a great name for an edge rusher. Yeah, exactly. Unlike, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of great names. My favorite of all time is the baseball reliever Grant Balfour. What about the guy right. who won the World Series of Poker, Moneymaker? <laughs> is that his real name? I always thought that was just fake. <laughs> I think so. I thought he made I that up. I don't know that, but I mean, 
I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> there's, I, don't, there's, I don't have that much poker knowledge. We should start calling you Nick Awesome Broadcaster. There we go. see if that sticks. There we go. Brian, um, really tall peacock. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that would be accurate. <laughs> anyway, um, so Aaron Lynch, that is a huge bummer. Uh, my colleague at Pro Football Focus, Jeff Dini, sent out a tweet shortly after that news came down. Aaron Lynch had more QB pressures last year, 62, than all other 49ers outside linebackers combined. They had 57 the rest of the squad. So that's that's not a good look for, for that player to be out for a quarter of the season. And now you know why they make such a big deal out of character concerns and stuff coming out of the draft. And he had those red flags. That's the reason he fell to the fifth round, because he was a, a studly prospect coming out of high school. He was a big-time recruit, went to Notre Dame, ended up down in uh, South Florida, Central Florida, one of those Florida schools. Um, and, yeah, so this is what you hope doesn't happen when, when someone has some whispers of character issues in the past and just hope that it is the last time and, and he's on the straight and narrow from here on out. Well, a big, it's just a big dummy move by him as well. I mean, the 49ers have all this salary cap money that they can spend, you know, lock up guys for long-term deals. This is a guy that was primed to get one of those. And that's the last thing on the 49ers' mind right now is signing this guy to a long-term deal when he does this. That Yeah, it hurts his value. As I mean, going forward, there's always going to be those whispers. The 49ers yeah. have been burnt repeatedly by some things like this. And the 49ers' front office cannot be happy at this point. But they need talented players, so you just cross your fingers and hope at this point. Yeah, maybe he can figure it out. I I don't know. He's supposed to return Thursday, October 6th, at home against Arizona. Could be a big lift for that defense, uh, you know, for at a home game there. Uh, just Man, I just worry about how they're going to start th- this whole season. I, mean, I, I like that they get to start against the rookie quarterback, just like you mentioned, the Rams. But, oh, man, so many holes. Now this is just another huge hole Goff's going to have all day. Oh, ah. Let's move on from that. I can yeah, tell it's. I'm just going to sit here and gruff all day if we <laughs> stay on it. I can tell that's bothering you quite a bit. So, um, well, let's let's go to this. Jared Hain. Well, the last time we talked, he had given up football right. to go try to make the Olympic team for the Fiji Rugby Sevens, which I'm not even exactly sure what that is. And he has not made that team and uh, apparently not coming back to football either. So I don't – is his professional sports career over? I'm sure there's some rugby league that he'll be playing in at some point. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's kind of a bummer for Jared Hain, kind of uh, missing out on a lot of his dreams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's chasing them. you got to uh, respect that. But Yeah, it's like the dog It's like the dog that chases the tennis ball, but then at some point right. you, you just pretend to throw it and he still chases it. That's what's <laughs> happening right now with Jared Hain. <laughs> Well, no, sorry, Jared. I didn't mean that. I'm not, I'm not like trying to make that. light of your situation, but yeah, I don't like the also, guy. So, you know, we haven't heard anything from Anthony Davis. Uh, I, yeah. I've tried to follow that guy on Twitter too. I don't know if you do or if you have. He's like Captain Retweet over there. No, I don't really follow players that much. I've got too many follows and too much information coming through. Um, and if a mm-hmm. player ever says anything worthwhile or noteworthy, someone will retweet it and I'll see it there. So I don't really follow any players. I don't really either, but with someone like this, you know, I want to be there to catch the the real quick tweet that he puts out before he deletes. Before it. he deletes it, yeah, you want to be the person that catches it first, and not right. the one, not the one who gets the screenshot later. Exactly. Uh, so let's see. Oh, a big news! I'm going to be at Kizar Stadium August 10th for the practice they're holding there, and actually, I haven't been to Kizar Stadium. I might have been there to screw around once or twice, but 2004, I was actually there to catch the last time they had some uh, a training camp practice there. They had the likes of of Andre Carter and Jamie Winborn and that uh, that early to mid-2000s bad 49ers football team. Right, right. One of the low points in 49er <laughs> history. 
That's right. That's right. So uh, and we're getting close. We're about a week off. Uh, Saturday, July 30th is so 10 days, 11 days away from veterans reporting to Santa Clara. Then the first full squad practice Sunday, July 31st. And then you're off and running with training camp. Yeah, you, you got all the battles, you know, obviously the quarterback battles. Now the the battle for the outside pass rusher, a battle at right tackle. I mean, there's all kinds of great battles going on. Wide receiver battles, which is what we're really going to focus on today. We actually put together a little top five of yes. who we think the reception leaders for the 49ers will be at the end of the season. I'm really looking forward to hearing your list. I put together the winning list. By okay. The way. Your list is definitely going to be wrong. I've learned that about your lists um, yeah. over this past year of doing Gold Faithful. But uh, yeah, Matt Harmon's going to come solid. on, and his list is probably going to be the correct one, if I had to guess. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got some really good knowledge over those past catchers. Um, and he's been pumping them on Twitter, getting a lot of 49ers fans, getting a lot of non-49ers fans, because you don't see a lot of positive news about the 49ers just from random folks on the Twitter or anywhere, really. Yeah, his tweets and his articles have kind of gotten some love for the 49ers, a lot of sleepers possibly on that squad with the new up-tempo Chip Kelly style of offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hear what he has to say. I, hey, I don't know if you've caught any of that show on Amazon Prime, All or Nothing. Have you seen any of that? No, I want to. I definitely am going to see that. But it sounds, from all reports, it's oh. pretty awesome. Dude, I'm hooked. I'm on episode four right now. And and I think it's the end of episode one. They go into week three, the awesome Cardinals 49er game with Caps four interception game. So that was really fun to relive. Well, I thought um, it, they had a bye that week, didn't they? I don't remember a game happening I, that week. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I, I dreamt <laughs> that week. That didn't really happen. Uh, no, it's it's a fantastic show. And they, for those of you who don't know, they followed around the Arizona Cardinals all of last year. So, I mean, we're talking draft, training camp, into the season. They're going to go into the postseason. It's it's hard knocks, but it's an entire year. It's the regular and, season version of hard knocks, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's get into it. If you like football, this is a fantastic show. I hate the Cardinals, but I'm loving watching this it's brutal too the one i watched last night was had a real focus on iapati and so that was like oh man i missed that guy <laughs> heartbreak central yeah i, I feel bad for for trent balky a little bit with some of the picks because the ones he's even hit on mm-hmm. are still not playing for 49ers right some of those draft picks that have retired and uh you know legal troubles and whatnot so um Ugh. Rough, rough go for for Trent Baalke the last couple of years. Hopefully that turns around and some of these young guys hit the field and some of these young receivers start to develop. And I'm happy about the possibility of the offense developing. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to Matt Harmon and, and hear about some of these uh, sleepers he's got catching passes for the 49ers. Joining us now is Matt Harmon, fantasy writer at NFL.com, brainchild behind Reception Perception. That can be found at BackyardBanter.com. One of my favorite things actually being done in the fantasy industry right now and the NFL draft in his industry when he does those college players. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. It's uh, a fun time right now. You know, after July 4th, kind of end of July, that's really when we uh, start getting close to this thing going down. And, uh, you know, you can start to feel it in the air. The football season is certainly coming, so happy to talk to you guys today. Absolutely. It's a good part of the offseason for me. Some people will call it the doldrums and, and they're kind of down on it. But there's a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to get into, especially in the fantasy industry. You know how that is. And you get a lot of stuff starting to ramp up and a lot of coverage starts early and a lot of primers. One of the things you do that I love is the reception perception. So let's just get started with that. Can First of all, can you give us a quick overview and the listeners an overview of the reception perception and particularly the article that you wrote that stood out to me and a lot of people uh, on Bruce Ellington and why you're excited about him this coming season. 
Yeah, so reception perception essentially is uh, an in-depth methodology to evaluate the wide receiver position. And what I do is I go in through an eight-game sample, uh, and I try to, you know, get a bunch from all levels of the season, you know, some in the early season, some in the late season, some in the middle, and try to get some productive and unproductive games in there as well so that you really get a sense of what the wide receiver is doing. And I chart every route that they run over that eight-game sample what coverage did they face? How often were they successful in getting open against it? What routes did they run most often? How often did they get open on each route? And there's some ancillary metrics as well, like contested catch conversion rate and how often they break tackles in space. So it really gives you a full-scale picture of the wide receiver position. So it really helps with these guys like Bruce Ellington, uh, you know, somebody that's not been very productive in his career who really hasn't gotten much of a chance to go in and chart their routes out and see how often they get open and what areas of the field they are most successful at doing. So that, and obviously looking at your uh, Ellington article here, you had a lot of great things to say. Um, You went short of projecting him to be a world beater next year, but there was an obvious upward trajectory of his career happening here. Some very good success versus coverage percentages. Can you talk about some of those versus uh, man and zone and, uh, and press? Certainly. And now one caveat that I will give with Ellington is that, you know, he's, he's normally uh, he, his, his numbers fall much lower than my normal threshold for charting. You know, how many games he how many snaps he played in the game, because obviously he's somebody that hasn't been used very often. So sometimes and I caution this in the article, comparing his numbers to the NFL average or other receivers that have those numbers. You know, that's a little bit dangerous just because it's such a small sample size. But one thing that I remember about Ellington going back to his college tape in South Carolina, where I was actually a really big fan of his, was that he was a guy that was a really tough and competitive guy, but also somebody that was a good, you know, disciplined route runner and played with a lot of technique and athleticism. And I think you see that in those limited uh, views at the NFL level. He's a guy that's separated at all levels of the field. His 62.5% success rate on nine routes is well above the NFL average. Some Someone that uh, normally – high-end deep threats score those sort of numbers. And I, I think that's something that he can help the 49ers scale, uh, stretch the field. However, you look at some of his more shorter routes, like the slant route, 70% success rate, 81.3% success rate on the curl route. I think those are the routes that he's going to be running a lot more in the role that Chip Kelly has envisioned for him because he's been running as the first-team slot receiver in OTAs. So I think it's a really interesting spot for him in that role where Jordan Matthews was very productive for Chip Kelly and – I think his success rate versus press and man coverage indicate that he can also beat one-on-one isolated coverage. However, you know, his 81% success rate versus zone coverage might be the most important number because he's going to be facing a lot of middle-of-field coverage. You know, Matt, you, you spoke about how he, he's going to help the 49ers sort of stretch the field. I mean, the perfect person for that is Torrey Smith. You had a great article uh, about he's poised for a bounce-back year. You spoke about M- Michael Crabtree in that article and how he was a poor fit for his quarterback in 2014, which was Kaepernick, before going to Oakland and, and where he matched his career high in receptions and touchdowns. Well, how do you think that Torrey Smith's bounce-back year in the Chip Kelly offense will be affected if it's Kaepernick or if it's Gabbard? Or, or do you even think it matters? you think it's more about the offense itself? You know, the two receivers, Torrey Smith and Michael Crabtree, are quite different in my view. Crabtree is that consummate technician, you know, especially as he's gotten later in his career after – 
injuries have started to pile up. He's a guy that really relies on detailed route running and nuance in order to separate from coverage. Whereas, you know, Torrey Smith is a burner and he's a good route runner in and of himself, but not nearly the technician that Crabtree is. So Crabtree's really a guy that requires an accurate, precise quarterback. Whereas Smith more, you know, he, he succeeded with Joe Flacco, who's not necessarily that type of passer. So to me, it doesn't matter as much for Smith, who is behind center. Although I will say I do expect it to be Blaine Gabbert. He's just from reading the tea leaves in the offseason. It seems like Chip Kelly is really in on Gabbert, the revitalizing his career. He also played pretty well down the stretch for them and just kind of fits the archetype of, of passers that Kelly has looked for at the NFL level. And I think that really only helps guys like Smith who, while I think he could succeed with Kaepernick, and I think, I think Gabbert's a better fit. But, I mean, Smith's probably the easiest bounce-back call to make in the NFL this year, whereas Crabtree was somebody that, you know, reception perception surprised some people with him. I think a lot of people expect Torrey Smith to bounce back just because there's almost no way he's going to see 62 targets again like he did last year. I mean, if 33 catches is not going to happen again. He's going to – He's going to be the top target in what is a historically voluminous passing offense with Chip Kelly. So, I mean, it really all points up for for Torrey Smith. And his reception perception just served to remind us that he is one of the better deep threats in the NFL with a 61.7% success rate versus coverage on nine routes, but also a guy that can succeed on the crossing routes, too, with an 82.5% success rate on slant routes, which is another important pattern in the Kelly offense for those X receivers. I mean, Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin just thump teams with those routes as the starting X receiver for Kelly, and I expect Smith to do the same. Voluminous. Those are the kinds of words that that, that Matt Harmon brings to the table. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that, and I'm glad you mentioned small sample size with with Bruce Ellington because he wasn't targeted a lot last year, and he was sort of. Uh, you know, so some of those touches were manufactured. You would say, as 49ers fans watching the game would remember, we talk about it on the show after the games. Uh, they would have him in on the first series. He'd catch two passes, and then you'd see him with punt and kick returns the rest of the game. And so hoping those uh, small sample sizes uh, grow bigger and some of that um, efficiency remains. And with Torrey Smith, it's on the other side where we've seen him be We've seen what it looks like when he does have a large sample and when he does get a lot of targets. And so that's what makes me really excited for Torrey Smith. And I'm still blown away that he's so underrated, uh, especially on the, when you talk about fantasy football. His ADP, I think, is 110 still, which is the ninth, 10th round wide receiver 47, which still is crazy to me. I mean, it's up from the 13th round, uh, partly because Matt Harmon and others have been pumping him up all offseason and rightfully so. But uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Jeremy Macklin. Uh, Macklin's going in the fourth round. Is 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 Macklin a fair comp for Smith? I mean, height, weight, speed, similar skill set in Chip Kelly's offense. Do you see sort of a 2014 Macklin version of uh, a Torrey Smith in 2016? You know, it's it's funny. The two uh, receivers that succeeded so well in, in Kelly's uh, ex-receiver speed role, it's funny that he just essentially didn't really do enough to retain either one of them. You know, I think that we could probably see maybe more of Jackson's 2013. Um, you know, the, the, the difference between the two was that uh, Backlund saw more targets. He was 143 targets, Jackson's 126. I think, you know, 126 might be a more conservative uh, projection between the two uh, for Smith. But, however, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up seeing 143 targets because, you know, guys, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the 49ers aren't projected to be a very good team this whoa, year. Whoa, 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 slow down. Not, slow down with that. If that's, <laughs> 
Yeah, if that does, in fact, come to fruition, uh, the 49ers will be passing a lot to play catch-up. And either way, Chip Kelly's historically been just a guy that pumps volume into that passing game anyways. So it's not out of the question that Smith sees that volume of 143 targets. And, and you know, both those guys topped 80 catches, 1,300 yards, and they both scored 9 and 10 touchdowns that, that was back-to-back years. And I really don't think those numbers are out of the question for Torrey Smith. And you mentioned his ADP. Like, yeah, it was – ridiculously low a few months ago and the community has kind of corrected that to this point now but it is still at a point where where he's a value in fantasy i mean he's a a guy that if you take him as your wide receiver five i think you're going to get a real steal there so what did the college reception perception data say about rookie wide receiver aaron burbridge uh, out of michigan state I mean, I think it said that he was just kind of a guy. I was not surprised that he fell in the draft. He didn't really stand out from one particular area across across the the route tree or anything. Um, a guy that was just one of one of the one of the worst uh, success rate versus man coverages. Not a guy that's going to you know separate, but somebody that did make some contested catches, had good hands overall, didn't draw. You know, he's a guy that I think that that could. It could be a, a solid little role player, but you're not looking at a super high ceiling by any stretch of the imagination. I, I imagine he's probably fighting for a roster spot with some of the other guys that are already there. Yeah, Matt, you had a, a great article about how, how you don't give an overall grade on reception perception and how you know the industry is all about, oh, this guy's better than this guy, and, and here's why. Can, can you give kind of a, a recap of, of why you don't do that? Yeah, well, I think it kind of defeats the purpose of the series where the the beauty of reception perception is that it breaks everything down into a very fine, detailed level. Um, And if you assign an overall grade, then you're just going to – for one, I don't even know mathematically, like, what to weigh properly. Like, do you weigh – I'm just working through this in my head out loud for you guys. Do you you weigh success rate versus man coverage but higher than success rate versus zone coverage? And then is that – that's fair for every receiver. Do you make blanket statements like that in order to make a cumulative overall grade? To me, that doesn't really make any sense because you ju- it's just more on the analyst to then explain why, yeah, Jordan Matthews is a guy that doesn't have a great success rate. But if you look at a success rate for his zone coverage, that's much more indicative to the, to role, the role that he plays. A guy like Demarius Thomas is a great example that we know he's one of the most productive receivers in the league, probably one of the more physically gifted guys out there. However, his reception perception has never been outstanding because he's not a detailed route runner, a guy that is going to separate on multiple routes. He really runs only three routes on the route tree, but should he be penalized for that when he has excellent trump cards in other areas like his his freakish ability out in space at his peak? You know, to me, he'd be a guy that would fall way down the reception perception, you know, quote-unquote ranking, but I, I don't think that really accurately shows what kind of player he is. Uh, so I think it's just really more on, again, you know, the writer, which is me, or the analyst, to explain why each different metric holds different values and how it fits into each individual player. Because it just I never want reception to perception to put players into a box, and I really worry that having an overall grade would do so. And also, like, I just – I don't want – I just – you know, I don't want my work to be reduced to – well, all right, this guy's at one, this guy's at five, and that means the one guy is better than five. And, you know, it's, right. it's already tough enough doing that in the fantasy sense. I'd, I'd re- just rather not see reception perception have that either. So, Matt, you've been vocal of another guy, and I need some convincing here. Vance McDonald, another sleeper that you've been drafting, I see, in mock drafts uh, leading up to the 2016 season. His reputation for drops has put him squarely in the doghouse for 49er fans 
And to me, it looks like a tight end by committee in San Francisco. Got Garrett Selleck, uh, Brent Selleck's brother, a guy who Chip Kelly really loved in Philly. Uh, he's sort of the inline guy, and he won the starting job last year and then got hurt. And they gave him the long-term contract. Uh, converted fullback Bruce Miller, underrated receiver, by the way, uh, getting work now as a move tight end in minicamp. And then you got second-year guy, Bell the Belldozer. So con- convince us why we should hook our wagon to McDonald. Well, I don't really have a convincing answer there. Um, he's not a guy that, as an individual player, I'm all that particularly high on. Although, you know, if you read my work on Backyard Banter about drops, I, I wrote an article a, a little while back on that. You know, it's something that I don't tend to overemphasize. I try not to overemphasize with the wide receiver position because I think that you kind of end up missing the forest for the trees. While it's easy to say, you know, a receiver needs to catch the ball or a tight end needs to catch the ball, uh, of course. But, you know, I think it's much more important to analyze what they do on all of their routes rather than just this small collection where they drop passes. For me, I like to focus on what a player can do rather than what they can't do. And so McDonald's obviously an unproven talent. He's not somebody that I'm super high on. But I'm just really interested in taking late-round stabs in fantasy at this 49ers offense because, uh, as I mentioned, the negative game script that they're likely to be in, the historically voluminous passing offense of Chip Kelly, especially, again, when they're in those negative game scripts, there's going to be fantasy points scored. It might be tough to predict, but that's why I've really been drafting McDonald in these late-round best ball leagues where you don't necessarily have to predict when he's going to be in your lineup. But when he does, you know, just fall backwards into production, which I think a lot of these 49ers are going to end up doing, he's going to be able – the computer will score him on your roster. If you're not familiar with the basketball leagues at MFL 10's run, That that's kind of how it works. So I want to take these late-round stabs at these guys like Bruce Ellington, Torrey Smith a few rounds earlier, uh, Vance McDonald a little bit, and even a guy like Sean Drawn who could be the primary pass-catching back there. You know, th- these are guys that I am interested in investing in late, and, and even Gabbard himself. So it's really not so much about the player quality with McDonald, but more just getting a piece of that volume. Falling backwards into production, and I think that could possibly be the 49ers 2016 DVD title at the end of the year. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that a lot. So whoever starts at tight end you like, who uh, Torrey Smith – you got Bruce Ellington, and since you like numerous pass catchers in the 49ers offense, uh, I imagine whoever wins the starting 49ers quarterback job uh, will find his way onto your fantasy rosters as well. Oh, certainly, and whether that is in in daily fantasy or in two-quarterback or super flex leagues where you can flex a quarterback, I am definitely interested in Blaine Gabbard as a final round pick or, again, a cheap flyer in DFS because there are going to be games where he has to throw 40 or more times just because of the game script. And I think, like I said, I think he played well enough last year to be considered the starting quarterback of the 49ers. I think that there are enough interesting weapons that can do things after the catch, whether it be Smith over the top or Ellington underneath, that there, there, there will be ways for, for production to come for Gabbard. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves about the, the quarterbacks that Gabbard has. I mean, that Chip Kelly has made productive in the past, whether that's Nick Foles or what was left of Michael Vick or even Mark Sanchez. These guys have never been great passers, but they've mattered in fantasy because of the volume and because of the play calling that Chip Kelly just naturally inflates into his offense. Gabbard's going to be a guy that if you start two quarterbacks or you need a cheap flyer one week, he's going to be a guy that's on your radar. So one more question for you, Matt. Last year, Allen Robinson broke out in a big way. Michael Crabtree, we talked about earlier, he rebounded. Both were things you forecasted prior to 2015. Give us some names of other players around the league 
who are poised to to break out in 2016. Yeah, so within uh, the NFC West, I really like Tyler Lockett in Seattle. He's a guy that had the second-best success rate versus man coverage uh, among rookies that I've charted since the series started, uh, second only to Odell Beckham. You know, So I'm not saying that he's the next Odell Beckham, but he's certainly a guy that can separate underneath and also get over the top. I really think he has a complete skill set, somebody that can – you know, quickly climb up the ranks of NFL receivers. I really like Tyler Lockett. Dante Moncrief is another pretty easy breakout candidate to call. He was already well on his way to breaking out in his second season before they ran into Carolina and Denver, and then Andrew Luck was gone for the season. But if you look at his reception perception, his overall success rate versus man coverage has stayed very similar, but his press numbers went up, his zone numbers went up as a sophomore receiver, and he also ran 35% of his routes as a rookie were go routes and then that spread out all over the route tree as a rookie and really he's working to become a complete receiver so I think in year three we're going to see the full picture explode and you know there are obviously veteran bounce backs that I've mentioned with Torrey Smith uh, there in the 49ers but also a guy I really like in in Baltimore is Kamara Aiken somebody that I saw over 120 targets last year kind of by necessity and I think he'll have to do so again this year. Mark Tressman is another coordinator that infuses a lot of passing volume. His offenses have never finished outside of the top half of the NFL in pass attempts in all years that he's been the key play caller behind a team. And I mean, Kamar Aiken's the most consistent guy they have. You know, we don't know what we're going to get from uh, Steve Smith in his perhaps final season. Rashad Perryman's yet to play at the NFL level. Mike Wallace is Mike Wallace. And I think Kamar Aiken's the most, the most clear guy to inherit that volume. And if you look at his reception perception, another guy that separates in all areas of the field, his uh, 68% uh, success rate versus man coverage and press coverage indicate that this is not a guy that just fell backwards into production. This is a guy who legitimately saw a career start to take off last season. And I think that he's a guy we're going to continue to see that. Another really big value in fantasy leagues. That's Matt Harmon. You can find his writings at NFL.com, BackyardBanner.com. I believe there's a podcast there for Backyard Banter as well. Is that right? Yes, it's uh, it's coming down towards the end of the season one for Backyard Banter. And what we really do there is not so much talk about football, but interview some of the best minds in the football industry about how they got to where they got into the industry and so that we can provide kind of you know up and comers with a little bit of a template to break in or at least hey just listen to some really good stories from some fun people and of course find him on twitter at matt Harmon underscore byb matt congrats on all your success and thanks again for coming on the show thanks matt absolutely thank you so much for having me really appreciate it. it's always fun to talk about wide receivers oh yeah absolutely my position <laughs> uncut my my reception perception as a Sandlot player back in Visalia, California, would be unreal. I'm telling you. Where were you See, 20 years ago? Mine would have been like 0% success rate, <laughs> so I'm very jealous. Um, thanks again, Matt. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Nick. So I don't know, after that interview, if you might want to change your top five projected 49ers reception leaders. Uh, no, he but, actually kept naming off the names. I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a good surprise. So, I'm going to get everybody with this one. No, no. <laughs> There's a billion guys that could actually end up working their way to the top. I love falling backwards into production. Yeah, I mean, that, no, I mean, that states it. Thing. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that is amazing. So, well, let's get to it. Do you want to start? No, go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with number five. Uh, Eric Rogers is my number five guy. And, and I think it's just because the unknown factor and, I, and the, the known factors, the known quantities don't wow me. So I'm just hoping that that unknown factor in the 6'3 and the 4'4 speed, sure. you know, his ability to go downfield and get the ball 
Um, you know, and it's him. It looks like it's going to be him versus Quentin Patton on that other side across from Torrey Smith. So uh, Patton's a better route runner. You know, he's got the NFL experience. Uh, he might get the first string uh, snaps to start training camp. But Eric Rodgers, I'm hoping he's good enough to beat him out and then he could possibly be that guy on the other side. I like it. Yeah, I mean, the the upside there is is phenomenal. Exactly. Uh, number four for me, I'm going to go with Garrett Selleck. Eagles tight ends last year caught 102 passes combined between Garrett's brother Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz. So they're going to be targeted. I just don't know who it is. It could be Vance McDonald's. Um, you know, it, it, Zach, or Vance McDonald's got that height, weight, speed. He's got the higher pedigree in the draft at the second round pick, but I'm just not confident in him. So if it is a tight end by committee, maybe nobody really steps up huge, but I'm going to go with Garrett Selk there, and that's why I'm going to keep him at number four and not have a tight end higher on the list. I, I, I mean, if McDonald can find himself some super sticky gloves, I, I like it. But Absolutely. otherwise, yeah, I think you're on the right track there. And don't sleep on Bruce Miller. I really like Bruce Miller. He's a straight-up football player, and he was a better receiver than people uh, give him credit for out of the backfield as a fullback. If he dropped a few pounds, maybe he's looking quick out there. They're going to move him around, and that's Chip Kelly's MO to move guys around and and get him open underneath. So uh, that's what I'm looking for from from Bruce Miller. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting a lot of touches by the end of the year. Number three, Carlos Hyde. I do like Harmon mentioned. I do like uh, the backup running back there. Yeah, Jerome. (laughs) Sean Drone, I, I like Sean Drone um, to work in there, but I think Carlos Hyde is just too good and he'll be on the field too much and he can do everything and he can catch even though he hasn't been throwing the ball much. Right. As in, in the NFL, again, Eagles' top two receiving running backs caught 99 balls last year. So running backs are going to be a big part of the passing game as well. So I've got Carlos Hyde, number three. Number two, Bruce Ellington. Uh, if he wins the slot job, and it's he's got an easier path than either Eric Rodgers or Quentin Patton do to winning their starting job. And uh, the, the, that slot position just got really heavily targeted. And maybe it was because Jordan Matthews was their guy last year, you know, and because mm-hmm. he didn't have all the targets when Macklin was there. He didn't have all the targets when, as a rookie, when uh, Deshaun Jackson was there. So um, I think it's going to be second in line to Torrey Smith, who was my number one guy. And uh, the best comp for me is is Jeremy Macklin, height, weight, speed. Maybe he doesn't have as many targets as Matt said, uh, in as Macklin did in 2014, who when he put up an 85 catch, 1300 yard season with 10 touchdowns. Um, but but I like the skill set, and I like him to uh, to lead the way. I'm thinking 80 catches. I'd be surprised if he has less than you know 65 catches this year. Yeah, I mean he's definitely my number one as well. That one's pretty simple. Uh, you know, Harmon's piece about the bounce back year, it makes sense. You know, you read it, it it's fantastic. Everything you read also, you know, outside of, of what Matt's writing is how great number one receivers are in that Chip Kelly offense. You know Smith's history, you know, if you overlook last year, it's fantastic. I wouldn't be surprised if he had 65 catches, but it went for 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns because he likes to stretch the field. And I definitely think that he's going to be the number one option and that he's going to produce. He's going to have a, a fantastic year. I'll, I'll just go number two as well. Cause it's the same. It's Bruce Ellington. Uh, he, he's going to be that slot receiver, most likely uh, in the chip Kelly offense. And we're in a lot of plays. They always do. They will again. And this 49er team, you heard Harmon say it. We say it all the time. They're not going to be very good. We want them to, but it's probably just not going to happen. So they're going to be behind a lot. They're going to be passing a lot. He's in his third year. That's kind of the year that receivers, come into their own i think this is the time for bruce ellington and i will uh, say about the slot position i wish uh quentin Patton was getting 
and and he still might. I wish he could get some looks inside there at the slot too, because I think he's got some quickness. I think he's got some route ability. I yeah. think he's a more pure receiver actually than Ellington has proven to be so far in the NFL. A lot of Ellington's touches were manufactured. Uh, Quinton showed at least some ability to get open and make some plays down the field. So I wouldn't mind seeing that slugfest for the slot job and let Eric Rodgers and somebody no doubt else about it. fight for the, uh, yeah, the We other... very well could be putting Patton's name in here anywhere right. in the top five as and well. Really, and it comes... I don't have him on my list, but... And if it changes, see... then this list obviously changes very quickly, just right. like the tight end okay. position, right? What's funny is we actually had the same top three. I've got Carlos Hyde in there. You know, he hasn't been a big, you know, at 12 receptions in 2014-11 last year. Last year was pretty much... A wasted year for him and you know 2014 he was playing behind gore so I, I see his total double or tripling easily this season uh just you know they were going to run so many plays why not which leads me right into my number four which, which is sean drone you know we're talking about this fast-paced chip kelly offense that backup running back is going to be on the field a lot you mentioned uh the the top two running backs in, in philadelphia last year sproles and murray he has 55 receptions and 44. Not, not to mention, Ryan Matthews also had 20 receptions thrown in there as well. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a bit of action going to the running backs, which is why I think that both Drone and Hyde are, are going to see a lot of action coming out of the backfield. And, and my number five, you, you mentioned him a couple times. It's Bruce Miller. I mean, I could see him playing tight end. I could yes. see him playing the slot. I could see him jumping into the backfield and running plays out of there, kind of like a, a kind of like a Darren Sproles. I mean, I know he doesn't have the same makeup, but I, I can see him just lining up everywhere over the field. This is a guy who's had 76 receptions in five years. His average yard per catch has gone up every year since 2012, and and he's just a football player. And and, and they're going to find ways to get this guy the ball. And and I, I could see him catching 50 balls this year. I love that. You had the sack to put Miller in there. I did not. Yeah, I know. I wanted Rogers in there. I, you know, I also was thinking maybe I could get Smelter in there and make an argument for it. And you know, Miller just made the most sense. Yeah, unfortunately, and and Smelter earlier in the off season in the spring, I saw a lot of fantasy folks were trying to talk up Smelter with the Chip Kelly thing, and I just, I don't know. He has a really bad combination of being hurt, uh, being right. old. He was really old for a prospect coming out of college. Um, and he was raw on top of that, and that that's just really bad combo. Um, he's obviously big and strong and has some physical ability, but um, he's yeah, he's gonna need some time. And by the time he develops, he might be 27 years old. You know, <laughs> you're exactly right. Good list. So we're pretty much in agreement there. It's uh, yeah. it's 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 Tory Smith, it's Bruce Ellington, it's Carlos Hyde, and then it's whoever else wins those jobs. Basically, mm-hmm. that's that's what the 49ers offense is gonna look like in uh, in 2016. Yeah, and watch out for Sean Drone. I mean, I could see him, you know, sort of being like a Theo Riddick was last year or, or a Deion Lewis, you know, a guy who really gets a lot of production just from receiving yards. Absolutely, and I, I couldn't put Sean Drone in just because I think there's some other competition for backup running backs, and I, I don't know if there's going to be that role in San Francisco unless Carlos Hyde breaks down, that there's just the, the role of the player who comes in and gets a ton of targets because why not use Ellington? Why not use Carlos Hyde? And, well, just and, based on history of, right. of Eagles offense. I mean, no, like, I know like what I you're saying. You know, I just, I think the, Murray, Darren Sproles, Ryan Matthews all saw a lot I mean, of time in the backfield. Right. This year. And all, all three of those guys are also better than Sean Drone. That's kind of sure. what I'm getting sure. at. So I was there's no need to I manufacture. There's no, right. Yeah. There's no need to just throw Sean Drone in the game because it's like, we got to get this guy the football. That's kind of what I'm getting at, <laughs> right. you know? So he's going to be an afterthought and there's so many battles in front of him for touches, but it will be interesting. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff we don't know yet 
And it's not like Chip Kelly's just going to sit there and run out the same stuff he's been running out in his career. He's going to he's going to change things up. He's got a new coaching staff with him, and it's going to look a little bit different. So it, I'm really excited to see how that looks. And there's so many wide open battles in camp. And I guess that's when we're going to see you guys next in training camp. Yeah. July 30th, training camp gets underway. We'll be back shortly after that. We'll talk about what we're seeing, battles that are going on, all that exciting stuff. Follow me on Twitter at Bay Area Wink. Follow him at BD Peacock. Yes, that's right. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, review the show. Please review the show. We don't have very many reviews. We got a ton like the first two weeks and then none since then. So uh, if you like the show, head on over to, to iTunes and give us a little review. That always helps short show today we will talk to you in training camp we're going to start having some weekly shows once we actually have some players hitting each other i can't wait yeah i can't wait all right thanks to our guest matt Harmon. thanks for listening everybody and everybody on twitter for the conversation there we will talk to you next time see you